Welcome to show number three of the Georgia Tech Sports Blog Podcast. My name is Scott. I'm your host. Today we're going to talk ACC football for just a little bit. We're going to talk about, uh, kind of give you a quick wrap up of what was heard at the uh, ACC Media Days. Talk about a few of the things that you're going to be hearing as common themes, particularly early in the season. Touching on the ACC, particularly around issues on the quarterback side of things. Uh, a positive note for the ACC around the defenses. Talk a little bit about bowl games, and then we're going to jump into a little bit about Georgia Tech. Uh, I don't think this will be a long show like the last one, but you never know. I'm pretty wordy at times, so we'll see. Okay, uh, first off, uh, last week was Media Days, the ACC kickoff Media Days, uh, whatever they call it, Hot Springs, Virginia. The annual chance for the uh, local beat reporters, people who follow all the teams in their local papers, get together, listen to all the uh, brilliant uh, pontifications by players and coaches. Uh, you know, you get a couple players from each team one day, and then the head coaches come in the next day and, you know, tell us all their generic comments, maybe talk a little bit about their teams. For Georgia Tech, it was Jarris Wilkinson and P.J. Daniels that represented the team. And from all reports, they did a commendable job and really do a good job with the media and represented the school well, so that's a positive thing. Um, I I think if you want to focus on a couple of issues in the ACC that that you're going to be hearing a lot about, one good and one bad, uh, there's no doubt that there are some serious quarterback questions in the ACC. Uh, when your returning, when your top returning quarterbacks are Charlie Whitehurst and Reggie Ball, um, then you know the league has some serious questions. I don't mean a slam to those guys because obviously Charlie Whitehurst a couple of years ago looked like he was well on his way to be the next star, the next Philip Rivers kind of guy. Uh, but last year, uh, the guy ended the year, he's, he's the number one returning quarterback for the ACC he ends the year with 17 interceptions seven touchdowns completes uh, 50.7 percent of his passes not exactly stellar numbers by any means and their win-loss record I think was reflective of that they got a new offensive coordinator I think finally the good news for them is going to they're going to get out of that stinking shotgun weight at the line crazy offense that I just I never understood it, but uh, uh, you know, but that's why I don't coach college football. But I, it sure, certainly didn't show up well in the win-loss record. But I think he's going to be back under center, more in a traditional type set. And uh, you know, he's—I'm sure he's looking to have some bigger numbers next year. Reggie Ball. Well, we know we know about Reggie Ball, and I'll touch on him a little bit later. Florida State—they lost God. Well, they lost Wyatt Sexton, who thought he was God for a while there. Uh, turns out that uh, some tick in the woods has uh, affected his health, and so he's out for the season. So now FSU, for the moment, has two redshirt freshman quarterbacks on uh, scholarship, and that's it. So FSU has got some real questions. Now, there's no doubt that the guys they have are, are talents, but, again, that's on paper and that's in high school, so we're, there are going to be some serious question marks there. In Miami, Brock Berlin is gone, and so they're starting over with a new guy. In Maryland, um, 
Jordan Steffi and Joel Statham uh, sort of, uh, you know, they sort of went back and forth, and, and there's another guy in the mix. And I think the, the Blue Ribbon College yearbook kind of said it best about Maryland. Uh, the, the choice of quarterbacks there for their fans in many ways is kind of like the choice between, uh, I think he said, Brussels sprouts and broccoli, something like that. So they, they have some serious questions at quarterback, and, and it's just so ironic from a guy who has such a, a reputation as an offensive genius. Um, they just haven't gotten that big-time quarterback uh, to, to carry through that playbook. So uh, that still remains to be seen, although they did get a get a uh, recruit recently of a pretty high-ranked quarterback. NC State, similar questions, but there's no doubt NC State fans have very high expectations for that team. Uh, number one ranked defense in the country and i'll touch on that in a little bit um and and so you know that's going to keep you in games so just some solid quarterback play and that team ought to win more games uh you look at uh darian duran has gone from north carolina so they're going to be breaking in a new guy brian randall has gone from virginia tech and now uh you know uh, uh michael vick jr uh marcus vick the the little brother comes back in after a year of uh, penance, uh, paying his dues after his uh, transgressions off the field. Just a lot of questions across the board at quarterback. And, um, you know, honestly, look at at the main guys who were seniors who left. Brock Berlin, Brian Randall, Darian Durant. The NFL was not knocking the door down trying to get these guys in on rosters. So there's no doubt that there are some QB issues in the ACC. The ACC is weak in that area. Uh, I can see it getting stronger. There's some young guys uh, committing to the league uh, that I think will pick things up there. But the other factor that is obviously contributing to that problem is the strength of the defense. And there's one thing that's that's no doubt is that the defensive uh, units on these various ACC teams is just strong. I mean, Georgia Tech uh, ranked in the top 20 in defense in the nation last year, but only fourth in the ACC. I mean, they had eight teams in the top 30 overall defensively, and NC State actually led the nation in total defense. Uh, So as strong as Georgia Tech is, the the league is full of strong defenses, and there are a lot of returning uh, guys coming back. And if you don't think some of these uh, linebackers and defensive ends are going to be salivating at the thought of – uh, setting it off against some of these new quarterbacks, you're crazy. So, you know, will this year be the year that the quarterbacks take a step up in the ACC? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure it's going to be this year. Uh, but give it a year or two, and, and maybe that will be the case. But the defense is going to be uh, a tough thing. Uh, let's move on real quickly to bowls. Um, some Certainly some interesting developments on the bowl side. Um, the, there were two new bowl games announced for the 2006 2000 through 2009 I think it was uh, the Emerald City Bowl in San Francisco and the Music City Bowl in Nashville and uh, the the interesting thing is obviously those bowls will not apply this year so there are uh, the BCS plus the five bowls this year uh, which is six just like last year only now we add another team so it's probably safe to say this is not the year that you want to finish 6-5. and five. This is not the year that Chan Gailey wants to have just as consistent of a season as he's had. 
this is the year that you want to win at least one more game in the regular season than you had because uh, there there is that chance that that six-win team won't get a bowl game. Now, having said that, that's going to be talked about a lot during the season, but then you know how things work. You get to the end of the year, the bowl-eligible teams, uh, it's, all, it's clear who is and who isn't, and then the sort of behind-the-scenes working starts, and, and then you start to find out who's, who's working a deal to move this team to this bowl and, and get a team in to another bowl and which teams that are eligible don't get to play. In fact, I think, if memory serves me, there were only two teams last year that were bowl eligible that did not play in bowls, and that was Clemson and South Carolina because, of course, they had their little brouhaha in their season-ending uh, rivalry game. So, anyway, we'll, we'll take a, a, a close look at that, certainly at the end of the season. The other interesting thing with the announcement of these bowls, uh, uh, the ACC will now have bowl tie-ins with every BCS league. Um, you know, you throw, you, you got obviously the Big 12 and the SEC and now the Pac-10 with the Emerald City Bowl. So Swafford has done a good job of tying in the ACC with all the other major BCS bowl leagues. Um, all but two of the bowls, the obviously the, uh, the bowl in Boise and the bowl in San Francisco, uh, all the other ones are now going to be within driving distance which is always a, a plus for ACC fans. On the money side of it, uh, you, you, you really can't say that John Swafford went wrong because basically every, everything they did when they were negotiating and projecting what the expansion was going to mean for the ACC, the money has exceeded. Uh, TV money, it was greater than they initially estimated it would be. Uh, the ACC championship game... Uh, payout more than they uh, had originally estimated. And these bowl payouts just keep getting bigger, and, and the bowl money uh, has significantly jumped up a level. I mean, you're talking the Peach Bowl paying out in the range somewhere, going to be in the range of $3 million a team. Gator Bowl, around $2 million a team. Champ Sports Bowl recently upped. I mean, the Champ Sports Bowl was, was one of these bowls that people thought was on the verge of maybe bowing out with attendance in the mid-20,000s, uh, it, it certainly met the minimum criteria for the NCAA, but it wasn't exactly blowing it away. And yet now the payout for the Champ Sports Bowl is going to be about $2 million per team. Music City Bowl, $1.5 million per team. The Bowl in Charlotte, about a million per team. So you throw in, you know, the BCS bid is, what, another $16, $17, 18000000 million, and, uh, and that's some significant chump change. <laughs> no doubt about it. So Swafford has definitely uh, brought the dough to the ACC, and, and teams like Miami that were perennial winners that had trouble making money for their sports program, uh, even with with sports like the, with the success they had in football and baseball, now now they're going to be making that, the money that uh, they should with the winning programs they've had. All right, last week I had a nice clip, West Durham, the Calvin Johnson catch the game-winning touchdown. Uh, let's pick on the poor Clemson people again. Clemson trailing 28-24 with 13 seconds left. Curry, Glover to the near side, Watkins to the far side. Campbell is bothered again with the leg. He sits this play out at least. Snap to Gazi. George looks. 
Throws to the end zone. That is caught. Touchdown, Georgia Tech. Whoa. 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 One-handed catch. is holding in. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Seven seconds left on the clock. And, Wesley, it doesn't get any bigger than this. All right. Uh, let's get into some Georgia Tech things real quick. I'm not going to take a lot of time, but I do want to hit some key points. There have been some uh, quotes in recent stories from Chan Gailey, some discussions on some of the online discussion boards, giving fans slight hints that Reuben Houston might actually have a possibility to show up on campus uh, in the fall and actually play. I guess from my perspective, I would I would say to Jacket fans, prudent advice would be to forget it. Don't get your hopes up on this one. Even if even if it's true that he's innocent of the charges, even if he beats the rap, the way the court system works, uh, I don't see him getting back on the field that quickly. I mean, folks, we're talking about uh, 40 or so days away to kick off here. So uh, I, I think the prudent thing to do would be Reuben Houston focuses on getting his life in order. If by some stroke of uh, some miracle he is able to beat the rap, get off the charges, and get back on the field sometime in the middle of the season, hey, that's all the better for him. That's all the better for the team. But I think to actually speculate and hope that that would happen, uh, that's a tough thing to do. Um, Also recently we've seen some articles uh, pop up from the Macon Telegraph and from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with some quotes in there from Chan Gailey suggesting that – that there will be some competition at quarterback and that while Reggie Ball might be considered the number one guy, he's going to get some playing time in for Taylor Bennett. Um, and, and, in fact, there was a point in there where he said, no, this was not a ploy by me to try to motivate Reggie Ball. He either wants to be great or he doesn't. And I don't buy that from, from Coach. Uh, at the end of the day, it's been proven time and time again when Reggie Ball feels pressure that his job is on the line, he seems to perform better. Uh, when he feels comfortable that he has assumed the role and that he is the man, whatever happens, it's when the mistakes start to creep in. And because of that, I would say that, um, you know, it's not a bad thing what Coach has said, and that is, hey, we're, we're going to get some playing time going to get some experience to the number two guy reggie may be number one but uh there is legitimate pressure and legitimate backup legitimate talent that can step in unproven but uh certainly uh that that aspect is there this year and it wasn't there last year with not wanting to burn bennett's red shirt last year and let's face it bilbo was not a credible alternative to reggie ball uh, a guy you were trying to convert to a wide receiver, and then at least now he can focus on that full time. So, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Now, an interesting note: I was looking through some uh, ACC. Um, I don't know what you call it, media guide, um, looking at the upcoming season. Did you know that Reggie Ball is fourth all time? in the ACC for sophomores in passing yards, 4,143. Um, who's number one in terms of 
after their sophomore year, Philip Rivers. Number two, Charlie Whitehurst. Number three, Charlie Rick. Charlie Ricks. Chris Ricks. Um, in fact, Joe Hamilton was tenth on that list with about 3,600 yards. And and don't forget, Joe Hamilton had a red shirt year. So here, my thing with Reggie is that he just got to eliminate the mistakes because when he when he does play within himself, he plays well. Uh, and he can he can be solid, and he he can roam, and he can uh, roll out. He's a good pocket thrower if he just gets the time. That's going to be the question mark. But at the end of the day, uh, his numbers aren't bad when you compare him to a lot of other uh, big name quarterbacks after their sophomore year. The interceptions not so good, but again, let's not forget Charlie Whitehurst, seventeen interceptions, seven touchdowns last year. So we'll see what happens with Reggie. Um, offensive line. Uh, we've talked about it, and we're just going to have to wait to see what happens in spring practice. Um, number one issue from my perspective is experience. Um, you know, we, we do have some older guys there, but maybe they're not quite the skill guys um, that, that we would want. But having said that, we're just going to have to see how this plays out, how these guys step in and learn to communicate with each other on the line. It, it's going to be tough. Uh, running back. Uh, one thing I think I've noticed is I think fans are may kind of settling in with the assumption that P.J. Daniels obviously is going to be number one. I think that's a safe bet. But I think all the hype around Tashard Choice has gotten fans thinking he's going to end up being the number two guy. I'm here to say I don't think you can count Rashawn Grant out of the picture here. I, I think he brings a different skill set. Um, and, and I think that uh, you cannot count him out of the mix, uh, and I wouldn't hand over the number two spot to choice just yet. So that, that'll be an interesting to watch uh, in the fall as well. Um, and defensive line, you know, we're, we're pretty good on the ends, and I think, I think we're solid there. It's, it's in the middle. Uh, it's at the tackle spots that, uh, uh, that I think we're going to have to take a close look at and see, and particularly from a depth side of things you know we, we got some decent guys in the one spots but uh, boy we start getting some injuries and uh, things could fall apart so we'll just have to keep an eye on that as well uh, in a general statement as I end this thing I think I would have to say number one the defense is going to keep us in games this year this is a good defensive unit this is a very good defensive unit and and there in certain areas there's more depth than we've had in a long time uh, certainly the injuries and, and, you know, the loss of Houston, Richard, uh, Travis Parker, that's going to hurt. But having said that, this is a still a strong, strong defensive unit. So they're going to keep us in game. So in, in my mind, the real question is how many points are we going to score and how many times are we going to turn over the ball? And, and for me, the number one thing I will be watching all season is turnovers. Because in my mind, every time we have a turnover, I'm going to absolutely cringe. Because those are points that you either give up or points that you could have scored that you gave up the opportunity to score. And if we can cut down the turnovers, I think we can have a a good year. And honestly, I think that is the difference between a six-win season and a nine-win season, the turnovers. And I don't think the key is the defense because I think the defense will be solid whether we win six games or win nine games. I think the defense will be there. It's can the offense move the ball and protect it. 
And so that's what we'll have to watch out for. Anyway, I'm going to leave you with a few uh, fun things here. Uh, Take care until the next podcast. Uh, We'll talk to you later. I'm going to leave you with this little catchy number. This is by a group called De La Vega. The song's title is 2020. Something I got off the Podsafe Music Network. That'd be places I can get music, uh, put them on the podcast, and not get uh, into legal problems. So here you go. Enjoy. Definitely, definitely, we're here to promote individuality.